Welcome to the Bob Siegel Show podcast on the Cross Global Media Radio Network. Visit cgmradio.com slash bob to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Men and women in the scripture. Now, culturally, things have changed. In those days, it was very unusual for, for instance, a woman to be literate. In fact, illiteracy was quite common among people. Very few people were educated, and most of the time women were not educated. Because of the social mores and that culture, women were in a different role. They didn't usually operate in the same roles that men do. But the church really came along and started to overturn a lot, or just, you know, stir that up. For instance, there were women in the church who were in leadership. Paul addresses a number of them in his letters, and he talks about these women who were co-workers and deaconesses and known among the apostles and stuff. So it was revolutionary what was happening in the church in the first century, particularly in the Jewish culture. And I've always heard, you might know more about this, but I've always heard this thing, that a Pharisee would start his day off thanking God that he was not a Gentile, and that he was not a slave, and that he was not a woman. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And in the book of Galatians, Paul reverses that. He says in the church there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, which meant Jew nor Gentile, and a slave or free. Yeah, and so he was very, very progressive, way ahead of his time, revolutionary in his thinking. And I think if Paul had some of the issues we had today, I think he would say there is no black, there is no white, for instance, things like that. Because for him, it was Christ is the Savior for all mankind. And the issue is, do you know Jesus Christ? That's what separates. That's the big divide in humanity. There are people that know their Creator, and then there are those who do not. And the ones who do not, the Creator is very interested in them getting to know Him. And so much so that He sent His Son to walk in our shoes and then die for us so that we could come to know Him, that we could be adopted into His family and be part of His kingdom. Whatever our background, whatever our race, whatever our gender, all of those things, it's important that we come to Christ and that we serve him. That was always Paul's biggest concern. And he dealt with all these things because he was very multicultural. You know, he was not only a Jew, but he was also a Roman citizen. Now, <laughs> here's this verse that people, I, I'll tell you a story. Okay, I was, I was attending a church in San Diego years ago, and I invited a friend of mine to come to church with me. He was a Christian. He was a very religious person. He was, I would say he was probably a modern Pharisee. He was very proud and very opinionated and very, very sanctimonious. But I loved him. He was a good friend, you know, and invited him to the church because the church I was attending was a little different than what he was used to. So we went to a Sunday school class before the morning worship service. And a friend of mine was teaching the class. It was this woman who was a great teacher, really good Bible teacher. And she's teaching a class. He was doing a series, and so he came. This is his first time. He's never been to this church, never met this woman. And he stands up. (laughs) When she starts to teach class, he stands up and opens his Bible, and he reads this. I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. And sat down. (laughs) And I I was mortified. Of course, he felt it was his duty to come and straighten everybody out on this issue, and he was quite offended that there was a woman teaching a class. And so there are people that are tripped up. And the irony is it just shows his own ignorance of the Bible. That's what's so sad about it. Yeah, and and this was back in the Jesus movement days, 
And so we weren't really all that learned. We would read something and not look at the context, not look at the history, not look at the surrounding culture that particular passage may have been addressing. And so I've done some study on that. And you know this because you're an apologist. To understand a passage, you have to know the background, the surrounding things. Now, that passage was written to Timothy. Paul wrote to Timothy. It's one of what they call the pastoral epistles. He wrote two letters to Timothy and one to Titus, giving them instruction on how to pastor. And so Timothy, he was pastor in Ephesus. Ephesus was the location of one of the seven ancient wonders of the world, the Temple of Artemis a.k.a. Diana. And if you read the story of Wonder Woman, read the story of Diana in the uh, folklore and the things of those days, it's a very similar story. She was based on that character. So Diana, a.k.a. Artemis, who this temple was erected to, was the center of that culture in that city. It dominated everything. When you read in Acts chapter 19, Paul goes in there and he upsets the apple cart because there were people making these little idols of that temple to Artemis and selling them. And it was a big part of the economy there, much like when you go to some tourist place and you come to San Antonio and people are going to buy monuments of the Alamo and at least a magnet for your refrigerator. And they sell these things. And that was a big part of the economy there. So now people are getting saved. They're converting to Christianity and they're rejecting their idols. This really upset people who were making these idols and selling them. And there was such a big demonstration over this, the crowd got so riled up that for two hours they started chanting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. They were having quite a to-do about this because Paul came in preaching that that was not a true God. And so the worship of Artemis dominated Ephesian culture. And here's a little story about Artemis or Diana depending on which language you read. Artemis was the twin to Apollo, and Artemis was born first, therefore was preeminent, and Apollo was subsequent. So that gave her dominance and authority. The result was this whole culture did a role reversal, and it was the feminism of the day. Women ruled the day in that culture. They worshipped this goddess, and Artemis was this deity, and it's kind of interesting, because to me it was a conflict of concepts, but she was a deity of fertility, but also of virginity. And I I just have never figured that one out. And she was the protector of childbearing. And she controlled who lived or died. And so that was kind of the tone of what was going on in the day. So when Paul says this to Timothy, he says, I don't allow women to teach or exercise authority over men. It was because women were exercising authority in that culture. And when he goes on to talk about women, you know, that they will be saved through childbearing, people have read that wrong to say that if women have children, then that's what saves them. No, that's not what it was saying. It was saying that God will save them through that process. And it was much more dangerous in those days. They didn't have the medicine and the technology and everything. And so their culture said that Diana, Artemis, would protect women in childbirth. And Paul comes along in this letter to Timothy and says, no, they'll be saved through living a godly life. And it says women will be preserved through childbirth if they continue in faith, love, and sanctity with moderation. So that was the thing that Paul was addressing. He wasn't saying that having babies was going to save them. He was saying God would save them even through the difficult process of childbirth. So there we go. Now, 
There's a couple of other things that I, I thought we might want to touch on in this whole thing. Are we clearing anything up, or are we just raising more questions for people? Well, I have a completely different take on that passage you did. However, okay. I've done other radio shows before, and if you want to move on to something else, I don't want to interrupt your time. So your call. I have a different take on that First Timothy chapter 2 passage. Can you... Put it in a nutshell. I could put it in a nutshell and tell people to go to my website and podcasts for the details. It's interesting that he brings up Adam and Eve because the only other place in Scripture where women and childbearing and women in relation to submitting to men are found together is in Genesis, in the story of Adam and Eve. And Adam's curse was that work was going to become drudgerous and unfulfilling, his curse for disobeying God. Eve's curse was that she was going to now submit to her husband and have pain in childbirth. So we see those two things lumped together. Now, here's the Uh, thing. If it was a curse for her to be submitting to her husband, then I have to accept that that was not the ideal plan, that originally she was not submitting to her husband. We're told that when we get to heaven and we're returned to Eden, so to speak, women will be joint heirs with men. They'll be kings. They'll be priests. And so in the past, women were not submitting to men. In the future, women are not submitting to men. What about this in-between time? Well, in this in-between time, the curse is still in operation, but in the church, we're supposed to be modeling moving away from the curse. We don't tell a woman that if she takes painkillers or uses lamas that she's disobeying God because she's not having enough pain in her childbearing. It's interesting because Paul is saying the women should learn. We always say, we look at the last part, the women should learn in silence and submission. You said it yourself. He was a radical. The fact that the church was educating women at all was huge, but some of the men were freaking out. And Paul's using what would have been considered a Jewish midrash, where he draws an allegory from the Old Testament. As Adam was formed first, then Eve, man is learning first, but now women are going to start learning, and women will be saved from the effects of the curse of which submission to men is one, pain and childbearing is another. Okay, that was a quick crash course, but yeah, more detail on some of my podcasts. You left on a great point there. One of the first things I heard about that, because I did not I was not raised in church, so I had not studied the Bible until I became a Christian, which was at a high school summer camp put on by Skyline Church in August of 1968. So we had all these high school students, and I was one of them. And one of the meetings, they were having a question-answer session with some of the pastors and pastors' wives. And someone asked the question, if sin brought pain into the childbirth process, if Eve and Adam had not sinned, how would childbirth take place? And Barb Clark, who was kind of a spiritual mom to me, became very important in my life. She said it would be exactly the same, but without pain. And I thought, that was profound. The process of birthing a child, bringing a child into this world, would have been just as wonderful and mysterious, but it would not have been painful to the woman. Well, and I believe that happened. I believe that happened. The commandment to be fruitful and multiply was given before they fell into sin. And what's interesting is the scripture tells us that Cain is named after the pain. Cain means Eve saying, with God's help, 
I have had a child. I don't believe that Cain was Eve's first child. I believe he was her first child born in pain, which would explain why Cain, when he was banished, was concerned about safety from all these other people he's going to run into. Well, what people? If he was yeah. the third human being, what other people is he talking about? So I, well, anyway, some interesting... There's a lot of questions about that. I would gladly you know, trade 20 chapters of Leviticus for more information about that. We'll probably get some information. And I was talking with my wife today after church. We've got a, a church that we're attending that we really like here in San Antonio. It was one of those things about, I'm going to ask God about this or that. And the truth is, so many of these questions that we trouble ourselves with, when we get to heaven and we know as we are known and see things without the brokenness and the mortality and the fallenness, there's a lot of stuff we're not going to ask questions about because it won't be important. Or we'll maybe have instantaneous understanding. I don't know. One of the questions that I hear people all the time, someone just asked me this, why did God make mosquitoes? <laughs> yeah. And the other well, one is, why didn't Noah swat those two flies? Yeah. Well, I have an answer. By the way, I know you know this, but there were some animals that Noah brought more than two. But yeah, Oh, so yeah, yeah. There's first. a lot of fable but, associated with that story. Yeah, and yeah. They don't actually read what uh, it says. But here's what my answer is about mosquitoes or any other pesky thing that you wonder, why in the world did God put this on Earth? Why are there thistles and thorns? Yeah, and apparently it was related to some kind of biological curse put on the earth after the fall. Maybe mosquitoes were different before. Maybe, who knows? Well, Maybe Satan created mosquitoes. I don't know. I, I know. There's a good case for that. No, but the point I'm making after the fall, God said, now there's going to be thistles and thorns, and you're going to have toil. And, you're going to, and you, he was already 10 in the garden. Right. So the mosquitoes were probably part of that same curse. I, that's my theory. It's just a theory, folks. I think it but makes a lot of sense. If you got a better theory, send it to Bob Siegel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jim, it's always right. a pleasure, and you'll be on again two weeks from tonight. Is that when we have it? Okay, two weeks from tonight. Two weeks from tonight. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob, thanks so much. All right, God bless. The Bob Siegel Show podcast is a production of Bob Siegel and Cross Global Media. Visit us online and subscribe to the show at cgmradio.com slash bob.